Hello and welcome to the first edition of my podcast. Um, the whole idea of these is to is to look at those people and those companies doing extraordinary things um, in a world that needs more and more extraordinary things. And it's not really to to showcase them in terms of kind of increasing their sales or their or their um, or their business. It's actually really just about making people aware that there's. That there's gr- great stuff happening all around. Um, this first edition um, is going to be one of three, actually. It's with a company called um, Netherton Foundry. Um, Netherton Foundry make amazing pots and pans and outdoor fire pits and a whole load of stuff. And they make them um, with sponge steel and they make them in Shropshire and they know every single one of their um, suppliers. And it's just a beautiful way of making stuff like we used to. So hopefully you'll enjoy it and um, there'll be more to follow. So it's the third day of the Good Life experience and um, I'm sat here with the maker of my favourite pans and uh, cooking pots. I'm sat with Neil from Netherton Foundry. Morning Neil. Hi there. How are you feeling? Oh, tired, tired. It's been a, it's a long, it's a really exciting show. It's been absolutely great. We're all a bit muddy. <laughs> Actually, we're, a lot, we're, we're very muddy, but we've met some great people and it's been really good fun. It's knee-deep in mud at the moment. Um, but I love this show because it, um, it takes the best kind of makers and the best doers from the UK and puts them all together so I can see track bags and, and I can see you in the same tent. And what links you with track, who I know really well, and we're going to do a podcast with them too, is that you believe in the simple beauty of products that last. But am I putting words into your mouth? Do you want to tell me what you do, but more importantly, why you do it? Well, I think it really comes about is we we make the products that we like and use ourselves. And that's actually, I think, common with all the people here, is that we're enthusiasts about the things that we make. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been designing cookware for a pretty long time now, but uh, about 15 years ago, I was really kind of getting upset with the types of products that people were asking me to make for the mass commercial market, because every year it got, got a little bit thinner and a little bit cheaper, and it didn't last. And so I really started making things for myself. I made first pans, first casseroles, and you know, that then to happen is people and friends would say, can I have one as well? And it really started from that. And it was really quite simply, but we decided we didn't want to use PTFE on our pans. We'd rather have them seasoned. And other people sort of say, that's a great idea. Can you make me one? So PTFE is a polytetrafluorinated... It's the non-stick plasticky coating that you see on lots of frying pans and saucepans and it's sort of people became to think it was an essential but it isn't you know there's lots of other ways of dealing you know if you want a non-stick pan we we go back to an unbelievably traditional approach of seasoning pans we didn't invent it i mean essentially our pans in technology terms well i suppose we're making 1870s pans i mean if you were if you, if, if you came out of the 1870s and looked at our frying pans, you'd say, oh, there's nothing new there. I love the idea of pans from two centuries ago. That's brilliant. I season, I've always bought cast iron or steel, and I've seasoned them myself. And that, that, what, do you, what do you season yours with? I, I'm really cheap. I just use 
the, the cheapest vegetable oil that I can yep. and the hottest heat for as long as the kitchen will take Well, it. I agree with that bit. I don't agree with the cheapest vegetable because we're, we're really fussy about it. Well, tell this. me, educate me because I'm, I'm an idiot in these ways. Well, it, partly it's, it's about provenance materials. We like to know where all our materials come from. Like I was telling you earlier about my, my favourite rivet maker in Ashby, the Lazouche. But in the same with oils, we, we get our, our oils that we use from Flax Farm in East Sussex. And the lady is the farmer there, um, she produces this most beautiful flax oil. In fact, she took organic status last week, so it's big news for her. Um, but we use, we season all of our pans exclusively with her flax oil, which is really hard wearing. Oh. I mean, in, in, I mean we, we bake it on, so when you get a pan from us, we bake that on for a good couple of hours at phenomenally high temperature, yeah. really, really hot, much hotter than you get in your own oven, but it lasts. So they're pre-seasoned when they come to me yeah, from you? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, as well as seasoning other pans I've bought, I've also seasoned yours. Yeah. And what frustrates me is when my um, mother-in-law, who I love dearly, comes to stay, she will scrub all the black off my pans because she's used to yeah. shiny pans or pans that have a PTFE coating, which I'm not naive. That PTFE coating ends up inside me. It, it, it would eventually, it, it yeah. It comes off the pan. But you mentioned you mentioned Aspies Delazis, which is where I live. And, um, and where you source your rivets from. I don't think there are many pan, o pan owners or pan makers who could tell you where everything comes from. You know where everything comes from, don't oh, you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, that, that's an absolute must. But we, 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 we visit every last little component supplier. We know who they are. And um, that's a big part of our time, actually, of, of running the business and making sure that we get that relationship with people, whether it be the guys who chop down the oak tree well i mean my favorite character in there is a guy called cedric who i'm not too sure how old cedric is but he right he's pretty similar to the age of a lot of his trees i think <laughs> but anyway he cuts down he's got a he's got a bit of woodland in the wire forest which is oh, about five miles south of us and he'll chop down two or three oak trees a year and then he'll keep them sawn up into big planks and he'll keep them there for about two years seasoning it in his barn before he'll actually let me have a look at them and then we'll have an argument whether he's going to sell me this oak or not <laughs> he'll only sell it to me if he thinks it's going for a good use uh, a lot of it actually goes for restoration for churches and pews and things like that uh, and it took a while to persuade him that I was a good use okay yeah, but I wasn't going to do something terrible with his oak uh, because he's proud of what he does um, but I've got to go and see him next week and go into a bit of a... It's not a negotiation on price, it's a, it's a negotiation on have you got a good use for on it. On being allowed. Being allowed to use the it. fundamental so right. I feel privileged to use his treats. But anyway, it, it, I mean, it's great. Oak. But the point is, I know where it is. And also, I actually know that if he... If, I don't know how many... He, he, he is really, really enthusiastic about replanting. In fact, he's, he's been doing some quite interesting things in the forest where he's been removing lots of the softwoods and and ensuring that there's a really good mix of growth. So it, there's trees of different heights and it's actually a much better habitat, really. So he's determined that when he leaves it, when he leaves this planet, it's gonna be better than when he came. So he's putting mixed native trees on yeah. there. And he's also actually producing lots of open areas as well, allowing more sunlight in, so we're getting much more growth. At, and at true forest level. always had big open areas you could gallop through, that was- Exactly, that was that's, what, that's, what he's, that's, what, that's what he's doing. So that's part of it, I mean, that's one of our sources of oak. 
Uh, and it's a great, I mean, I'm, it's great seeing people like that. I mean, it's not a chore going to see a supplier like, like that. Um, yeah, I mean, we, 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 we get to the point where you can't make every single part. It would be lovely if we could, but I mean, what we're, we're doing, of course, is we're taking all those big, the big bits of metal, we're taking the wood, we're you know, making planks into handles, we're taking, I mean, the, the integral, what makes our product special, really, is the spun iron. I mean, we make some cast iron, but the spun iron is how to make, have a, hand, a, a pan that you can live with every day because it's, it's lighter than cast iron, but still very durable. You know, you can take it up to crazy temperatures, you can abuse it, you know, like the guys, like the outdoor, like the outdoor chefs here are yeah. kicking, kicking the kit around. I think around. nearly every, every chef here is using your pans. Well, that's sort of why we're here, actually, because we, I, I, sometimes it feels a bit like being the pit crew. You know, to come along when somebody <laughs> rushes along to the stand and says, "Hey, have you got a 12-inch pan? I've got this amazing piece of lamb that I want to go and do this with." Or, "Have you got something I can go and do?" So, yeah, that's great fun. My wife Sue, sometimes she, she's rushing over there, taking a griddle plate, and I think Tom Herbert came over. You know, Tom's you know, brilliant baker. He's lovely. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was absolutely great. And I don't know what he was doing. It, was only, it seemed to be involved with shovel and a big hole. But, uh, <laughs> but he was making campfire bread. I saw it. That's what it was. Well, I missed that. And I, I bet it was good. I, it was I good. think it was good. He always burns one, which I think he did again yesterday. <laughs> but I absolutely dig the idea of your oak supplier asking if you're good enough to buy his oak. This is, and that's this one's counter to, to the to the mass consumption and therefore the mass supply of materials in the society that we live in, where we where we'll, we'll burn through. I mean, before I started investing in good pans, I'd probably use a pan a year. Yeah. Now, I bought two of yours or three three of yours last year, um, and the last time I bought pans before that was probably seven years before, and they're yeah. not as good as yours. And the last time I bought a really good pan before that was when we got married. No, before, as a student, my wok has come with me. In the, I need a new one because the handle... No, I need it riveting. I don't need a new one. You'll give it to us I and we'll sort it out. I hate throwing things away. I'd much rather go and find... There's always a way of sorting these things out. That's fantastic. So yeah. do you offer that for your customers? So I've got, I've got one of your double-handed pans with a beautiful little... Um, brass rivet on the top if one of those if one of those rivets came off I could send it back to you if you'd have popped that yeah. I mean, we'll sell you one washer one screw I it, that's absolutely the mantra of our business but we hate people throwing things away and certainly we don't want our product to be thrown away so if you can repair it I'll send it in the post to you you can send it back to us we do I mean we don't kind of advertise it, but we do actually repair our competitors. There's a big, famous American cast iron company. I know the one. Oh, right. they, make, they make, well, their traditional <coughs> products are really lovely stuff. And we had a collector of these products who came to see us in tears because for some reason he left these in store and they got rusty. And he had it, and he, he turned up in his Land Rover down to the axles. It was so heavy with about 50 of these pans. Um, and we restored it. It took us about six months to restore. So when we had a quiet moment, we put one, we put one and shot blasted it, re-seasoned it, and they looked lovely actually at the end of it. He did, but anyway, he he was cheerful. But I mean, he, he's a customer of ours, but he seemed a shame that he had these lovely pans and going to waste. So we, we restored them. I love that ethos. Yeah. So talk me through. Um, 
how you make well take this pan in front of us which is a um it's probably an eight inch fry i'm guessing yeah fry, nice. frying pan about an inch and a quarter deep inch and a half deep it's actually a bit deeper than that that's is a, it? That, yeah that's a, that's one you can it, it, it's sort of halfway to being a saucepan really okay that's a real chefy one it's about two inches deep and so you can fry in it samosas i'm looking at this and thinking samosas and barges i have to well say. how would we start with that well that's that's a black iron pan so we'd start with a big sheet a black iron Okay, and we, in this case, that will be about two millimeters thick. So that will be about half, that'll end up with a pan that will be about half the weight with a kind of those famous cast French ones. Yeah. Okay, so, but a lot heavier than the, something that you might buy in the supermarket. So that's going to be, that'll end up as two millimeters thick. And we'll. Where'd you, get that, that? where'd you get that iron from? Well, it's all, that's, all of it is actually um, processed in the, U, in the UK. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a lot in South Wales, and you know, there's, there's only really one or two people who are doing this now. Anyway, we chop that into a big circle, um, and then it will go onto the machine, but it looks a bit like a lathe, and it's spinning at about 2,000 RPM. And then by hand, we get a big metal pole and bend the material around a spinning former. No heat. Well, what actually happens is, as the two touch together with this pole, you locally get a lot of heat, and the material becomes plastic, and it then starts to move and spin into shape. And you can do a couple of things there, that. If you wanted to make a really cheap pan like that, you can make it very thin up the sides. Yeah. Actually, we don't. We want the same thickness on the sides as we do on the bottom. So we're moving that material around to the sides. And actually, if you look carefully, you can see the little grooves. If you actually look at this pan, I've seen those on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. that's the work. And the material becomes wrought, you know, like as in wrought iron, yeah. as it works up there. And that actually makes it a little bit stiffer. And then it's trimmed at the end, and we take that off. And then the stage after that is we, um, in my two 1930s fly presses, I punch holes in punch holes in those. Yeah, in what did those hand. fly presses do before they did this for you? Well, actually, the, the ones that, these, these two ones were actually supporting a 40-foot trailer in somebody's car park. <laughs> and I saw these there on an industrial estate. Uh, and I think I partied with 50 quid for the pair. Which, <laughs> it, cost, it took me a lot of time to restore them. Anyway, I've got, the, I've got them now, and I'm very proud of these. Uh, I've, got, I've got my daughter went into, uh, during a school holiday to, to strip all the rust off them and paint them for me. And they've been running for these are the latest two I've got because they've, re they've actually replaced some newer ones that are falling apart. Anyway, so these two 1930s, yeah. made in the back country, lovely fly presses, work working away. And, um, uh, and we're punching the holes in. And then the next stage will be to take the handles, which we bent. Uh, and that, depending on the handle, that, that, that handle business is quite important about getting the bends right. Yeah. And it's, 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 this is where... You, the chefs over there will come along and say to me, no, no, that's entirely wrong. We need 15 degrees or 30 so degrees. So the ergonomics are determined by the customer. In that they case. quite often have very strong that's opinions about this. I mean, what you've got there, that's what I think is right. Yeah, yeah. But of course, a lot of it is to do with the height of your cooker. Yeah. All right. Um, but anyway, um, and then we then we rivet those on with solid black iron rivets. All right. Sort of in the in the um, sort of catering world and the or perhaps the cheaper imported ones they weld they, they weld them on and that's often a point of failure um because welds if you sort of bend it backwards and forwards they eventually crack of course um but we're using um the, these rivets here made by the guy in ashby de la zouche and he's i think he's probably there's only two people in britain i found who can make these uh and he 
makes the rivets and then they have, they have, to, have to go off and they are annealed in a furnace for 24 hours yeah. to get really soft and again that's done in black country so when they again when they they come to me they're actually quite a soft rivet and then we by hand with another flying the press, press rivet, yeah. rivet them on again and actually they toughen up as we as we hit them there so it's that's a very very strong way of putting a handle together well that's where my pans if, if the pans haven't lost their lining which they haven't done recently because i don't buy lined pans it's always the handle that comes off it's always yeah. a cheap nasty weld absolutely and i look at it and it ends up being used as a water bowl for the chickens or something it never gets thrown away but it can't be used as a bloody pan anymore no no, no. so that, that riveting process is really really important now and the final part on this one is it's got the, the oak handles here um which is you know back to getting great british oak um i mean british oak has got it's kind of interesting with british oak it's often got character everyone's different um and very occasionally people who don't get us and don't understand wonder why you know we have uh, different grain on each one it depends where it came on the tree how old it is and i, and I have to say i like character and we know there are certain customers and certain shops who are actually constantly say look find me ones which have got character you know, and oak's, oak, oak is wonderful for that and um the, the handles themselves are covered in a natural wax which seals them yeah. and keeps the water out and finally we've got some brass screws to hold the whole thing together that's amazing and then you and then you stamp them um hot stamp them yeah that's that's essentially a, a brass a, 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 our logo is made in a brass former and it's heated up on something like a big soldering iron and burnt in by by a young lady called mandy who does it much better than i can and yeah. she'll um logo put put that logo on which is an important you know, important part i think we we we're very proud of our logo. You can see the iron bridge there. Yeah, I spotted that. I, yeah. I love that well, part we, of the world. Yeah, well, we're just we're just we're just south of the iron bridge, uh, and there's a, there's a bit of a story, and I don't really know this is true. Where where our works are is on the on the um, the grounds of a former coal coal mine. And of course, that's where the iron bridge gorge is. It, it, it's there because it had iron ore, coal, bits of limestone lots of trees you could turn into charcoal so it had everything you needed to make iron so in the 17th century that's why well that's where the industrial revolution started there uh, and we're on the we're on the site of this former coal mine and there is a bit of a story but there was a originally a prototype of the iron bridge put up there in the yard yeah and it was wow. something like a quarter scale of course it doesn't exist now now there's various thoughts but maybe a bit of it ended up in the Stourbridge Canal my personal view is like all iron goods it was probably melted down and it's probably in this pan here it's probably in something <laughs> like this pan yeah. absolutely yeah anyway that's that's why we, that's our logo that's, it's incredible I mean, it's a beautiful pan obviously but what what, what and and, it, and you align what you do aligns totally with the way that I I believe products should be made not with planned obsolescence but with, with lifetime built in and I come from I come from Coventry so all of my family made Motor yeah. cars, essentially, um, and I believe in British manufacturing. I believe that if we don't start making again, we are completely jiggered. What did you do before you made pants? I went to art school. I then did some engineering, so I combined the two, and then I, my first couple of jobs were actually working for big grown-up corporations, making power tools and washing machines, kettles. 
um, and I designed lots and lots of product that actually was being produced in the Far East and we made them in enormous volumes and of course they were all those products that would last you just slightly beyond that guarantee period <laughs> warranty plus one yeah and then created a, then created a lot of landfill um, and I think that was really the issue but you know, 10 years ago we decided this is enough is enough you know, we, we're not going to do this anymore we're going to make the things that we want and we'll sell them to the people who are going to appreciate them and how, how is what you've made this not the old stuff has that made you has this shaped and changed you how raw to you no I'm calm I'm not raw at all anymore <laughs> no, no I mean, it, I mean you know running any small business it's always that sort of issues you know balancing the you know balancing the cash flow it would always be nicer to have lots more stock but no we meet lots of great people and it, it's fun you know there's always I mean last weekend I was at a Another, another festival, that was a food festival. Mm -hmm. And a lady from, who'd been one of the contestants from Bake Off came and found me and said, right, you're that guy who makes pans, aren't you? I said, I've got something. When did you become the guy that makes pans? When did, the, when did your identity change from what it was to what from it is now? From, from being a, a, you know, a, a, a industrial designer, designer. An industrial designer with the, um, I probably, I felt differently about it about five years ago. How long had you been trading at that point? A couple of years, really. I really where, um, because as I say, the first product was really very much an experiment. We were doing other things alongside it. Yeah. No, we were, we, we were still designing a few products for other people, and, and actually, it just we, we did less and less as that became less interesting, and Netherton Foundry became much more interesting, and we actually got to the stage where no. Okay, maybe we could make a, a few more quid by producing something in the Far East and selling it to some guy overseas. But actually, that wasn't what we wanted to do. Um, and Sue came to my wife, who uh, again came from a business background, but was always a serious foodie. Uh, she became more and more involved and actually did a great job of just telling people about what we do. I mean, she has no sales, sales background at all. And I have to be honest about it, we're not really very good at selling. There's actually people, I think what you did, people come and find us. Uh, and thankfully when they find us, they seem to quite like what they have and that makes the whole thing work. Uh, but I, mean, I suppose it's also the world of social media where, we, where 20 years ago we couldn't do what we're doing now because we couldn't tell people about it. Now through social media, people find us and we can talk about it, and that's great. And, 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 and I talk about it on social media and, and so yeah. do others. And we've got, we've got some really great friends, and, we, and it's one of those things, it's, for, it's really interesting for the people who see what we're doing to see what our friends are doing. Mm. And that, you know, okay, maybe you can only say so much about frying pans, but what people are doing in it, well, I know you can talk about a long time about that. So. That's the truth. And of course, it's also, as you say, it's people who are doing things a bit like us. I mean, we met, we met a great guy yesterday. He's making, he's trying to crowdfund a rucksack. Uh, and I, what I fascinating was his issue about trying to find materials made in the UK was just like mine. I mean, he's trying to find the, the best wax cotton he could. And it's like me trying to find the best rivets I can find. It's the same. And that was a, it's great. I like. I enjoy that. And actually, there's always a bit of. You, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I learned something. I'm absolutely sure I learned something in the process. Of course you of that. 
So tell me how long how long will your pans last? If I bought one of these, how long will this last? Oh, that's an impossible question because I've not yet found anybody who's actually come to me and said, I've worn it through. And we've not had a handle fall off. We, you know, these rivets hand, we haven't had one. It'll happen, but so we haven't seven, had one. In seven years of no, trading, no, no. no one has come to you with so a defaulted or a product worn out. Or no, no, no. We've had, you know, the, I mean, with, people have had the odd accidents with them, you know, which includes a guy who did manage to run over one in a camper van. <laughs> Uh, but we sorted that out actually um, uh, we've got a favourite chef in in, um, in in Shropshire a guy called Chris Burt who's a great he, he spent a lot of time in Japan and he produces stunning Japanese food and at one point he had in the restaurant he was running he had about 30 of our woks and uh, they'd been running for about two and a half years when he came to see me to get some more and uh, I think he wanted us to put some new handles on some ones which have, like, burnt, you know, where they've been on the gas Singed, fire. Singed, yeah. And I was saying, they were saying hmm, this, you know, these, look, these looking a bit bashed. What do you feel about this? Do you, know, do you, do you, know, we, do you want some new ones? Like, no, 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 no. These are great. They normally only last me three months. So he wouldn't, let me, well, he wouldn't let me replace them because he, they had character and he liked, because he likes to cook in the open. So we actually bashed out the dents does throw them around a lot yeah and bash down the dents and you know put a few new handles on if they needed to and they're still going strong there now so and he um, uses those on he uses them on induction actually which is oh, actually, we, all of ours are used on induction oh are they? Yeah. Well, we, we, we actually regarding sometimes induction is really tough on pans yeah. particularly cheap pans um because it's so powerful yes just yeah. you know so much energy goes in so fast you know so you know treat your it's one of the thing with induction is make sure you don't heat and the pans up too fast to start with get okay. it up to you know so get it up to half temperature over a minute or two when it's about half temperature then you can blast away at it that's great tip thank you yeah. but it's really interesting so his walks normally last him three months and yours yeah. have lasted him over four years now no well there were two and a half years when when, when i saw them now they'd be yeah it'd be probably about four years now yes incredible yeah. and i heard just to finish off i heard that you now sell walks to china we do I know. <laughs> I find that staggering. I know. I know. We, we, we actually last month we sent a couple of pallets out, and this is the second time we've done this. And they're going to a, a Chinese department store and online. Um, the most embarrassing part about them is, is they're about twice the price if you bought them here. Really? <laughs> I know. And they're still selling. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. So the guy keeps keeps coming back to them. Yes, yes, yeah. They get very excited, um, and they buy watts from us. Um, they also buy ceramics. When we we've got a relationship with a lady called Rachel Frost who hand paints some local Shropshire scenes onto tagines and cast bowls that we oh, make. Oh, the lids of your big yeah. tagine pans. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that kind of combination. Uh, um, the, but the most important thing for the Chinese people we sell to is we have to prove the provenance because they're so worried that we might be actually importing them from somewhere else and then rebranding it. Making so, them in China. Yeah, I, I have to go along to the Chamber of Commerce and get certificates of origin and prove that they're genuinely made by us in Shropshire. Well, I mean, that is very important. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I, I, I'm going to come and visit you yeah. in, your, in your forge. Uh, I absolutely love what you do. And every person who's seen your pans in our kitchen has asked where they're from. Every single person. I'm not saying they've all bought one. Keep but, telling but them. Every Keep single telling person. Them. Because pans, I want you know, selling walks in China is great, but I want to sell pans in Peterborough. Oh, so, yeah. so, so I, I mean, long may this continue. More power to your elbow. And absolutely beautiful. 
and it's been such a delight spending time with you at the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Cheers. Bye. That was excellent. Okay. Really lovely. 26 minutes. So hopefully you found that interesting. We're going to hear more from Neil. I'm going to drive down to Shropshire and see how he makes his um, how he makes his pans. Um, that'll be in in a couple of weeks. Um, next up, I think we're going to do Tim Little actually at Grenson Shoes. So um, keep your ears peeled. Ears peeled. You know what I mean for that one. Thank you.